Well, hello, beautiful Far Out people. Welcome to the Far Out Summer Programming. It is a sweet time. I hope that you're having a great summer and that those episodes are bringing you joy. If you are tuning into them, thank you. Today we have episode 45. Uh, that episode came out early October 2019, which, wow, feels like a, a few lifetimes ago. And it's called The Art of Creative Waiting. And that was one of our, that's one of my favorite episodes and topics of ours. What's funny is that ever since we recorded that episode, I feel like we've talked about that many, many times. But this was like the first time that we really tried to comprehensively group all of our thinking around this in one place. And uh, yeah, it's it was a popular one. It still is. And I hope that you enjoy tuning into it. It's the art of creative waiting is really something that uh, has made our life about a gazillion time better and and made everything softer <laughs> in letting our lives unfold. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get into it. Are you looking for a community of people who share your values? Do you want to hang out with us? Join us for our first ever Wild Convergence at the farm at Catawissa Creek in Catawissa, Pennsylvania. It'll be October 6th to the 9th, and we'll head out into nature and be surrounded by the fall foliage of the forest in Pennsylvania, as well as the creek and the mountain. This is our first annual community gathering where we'll be bringing people back to the land, food, and each other. It's both a reunion for participants from our past experiences and an invitation for anyone new to come meet our thriving community and experience the work we share. Come on over. We'd love to have you. This will be October 6th to the 9th, 2022. Find out more at thewildwithin.org under Wild Convergence. The Wild Within. She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And, and this, this is Far Out. Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. I've felt that we were on the... You can see it on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh... It's like, Winter's oh coming. no, I'm, I'm at the top. <laughs> There's only go, I can only go down from here. It's that moment right after the top, you know, where it's yeah. like, oh, this is like a little less than that was. <laughs> oh no, I'm on the decline. <laughs> it's like the wedding was this like all high experience and And it's like after that, it was, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's, you know, and. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It's those days where you get to the end of it and you're like, I have no idea what I did today. Yeah, that's That's terrible. when you know, maybe you didn't need to do those things. <laughs> maybe you should have taken a break. <laughs> Hello, beautiful listener, and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Podcast? <laughs> Low-key today. Very uh, driving. It's, uh, it's uh, just get your tea on. 
And listen to the soft sounds of Alistair and Julie Roxanne. This is Radio 1 KNPR. <laughs> well, well, hi.、Um, we, <laughs> this, is a, this is a good intro. I like it. We are talking about creative waiting、yeah. this week. Yeah, we are. We're in a state of creative waiting ourselves. It's a hard stage to be in, it's one that's、uh, often overlooked. Or not looked at at all.、Mm-hmm. Often we celebrate conscious action instead, and that can be a trap.、Mm-hmm. And so we want to use the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty of Briar Rose to explore the art of creative waiting. Join us. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Alistair. We made it. It's still morning. It's still morning. It's 11 53. We've,、uh, we've been a bit slow this morning. <laughs> We're just slow at the moment.、Yeah. Just slow. And、uh, this is our third attempt at the intro. <laughs> so we'll see how the actual podcast goes. Bear with us. We will not publish it if it's, if it's that bad. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't you worry. Don't you worry. So,、well. so if this is actually an episode, it gets better. Yeah. <laughs> It's good to have you here.、Uh, we want to, pr- I just want to say, we're not hungover or anything. No, we're not. You know, like, no. We don't drink or, you know, so、drink. it's not like there's no like external reasons for no, why this is. I'm trying is to、like、blame、this. it on Julie Roxanne. Most of the morning, I've tried to blame it on her. Somehow it must be her fault that I feel this way. <laughs> That's not working very well. I also am trying to blame it on you sometimes. I don't know. It never works though. This actually, this vibe that you're feeling is like serving the topic that we want to talk about today. Yes. What are we talking about today, Alistair? Creative waiting. And we want to start with an exploration of what, how we think of this, this term through the fairy tale of Sleeping Beauty. This is a fairy tale I absolutely love. I actually heard it, someone was kind of bashing on it the other day.、Uh, <laughs> I, I'm in a storytelling workshop and I, we're working on stories, and someone picked Sleeping Beauty and he just totally ripped it. You know, he just like, so you have to, we have to like kind of deconstruct the story in it and the, the pivotal points. And he did that. And then at the end, he did a whole aside on how this was like, you know, like a different time and it was teaching women to be passive. And, you know, basically like it was putting women in their place or teaching them how to be like,、mm. you know, secondhand to the man. And this is really about the king and having an heir and stuff like this. And、uh, I got really, I got upset by this because I actually think it's a really powerful myth, not only for women, but for all people. I, I think, in the words of、uh, Rollo May, who was a psychologist, he, he wrote a lot of books in, in the 90s. And、uh, he wrote a book called The Cry for Myth, in which he actually explores. Sleeping Beauty, this is where I started to get a better appreciation of the, the fairy tale as myth.、Mm-hmm. And he, he writes it as, you know, this at its core is the story of a being, Briar Rose, that's the princess, in the process of becoming. It's the tale of a girl caught in passivity, but needing to act responsibly for her own life. And I think we can all relate to that. And I think, you know, and what I said in the storyboard workshop that I'm in was, you know, Because you're saying, like, oh, this revolves around, it's, a, it's all about the prince waking up the princess. And that, I get it. I get it. On the surface, it kind of looks like that.、Mm-hmm. But my take on it is like, no, you haven't really looked at it. This story is all about Briar Rose. The whole kingdom depends on her transformation. And so I think to get started, 
we'll tell the story of Sleeping Beauty, and then we'll just kind of talk a little bit about the few points. Then we're going to bring this into our life and why we're dragging today and, and why things are a bit hard and, and see if we can make some connections that might be interesting for you listening to kind of think about this word and think about it as a tool we can mm-hmm. use when we're in the creative process, when we're in a stage of transformation. Yeah, that happens to all of us. I think it's helpful to have like this this vocabulary to talk about it because it's like, oh, this is normal. This is this is part of it. So um, I want to read this story because I like reading stories. And this is not for my Disney people out there. This is not the same exact story as in Disney. This is the Grimm version. This is the Brothers Grimm version, but it's it's uh, summarized by me. So we're taking this actually off a blog post I wrote on the topic of creative waiting a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll uh, link that in the show notes at thefaroutpodcast.com. You know it. Um, and this is this is kind of a this is a summary of the Brothers Grimm fairy tale. All right. So it is a story of a king and a queen who want a child which doesn't come. Then one day, while the queen is bathing, a frog creeps out and grants her wish, promising her a child. Within a year, the queen gives birth to a girl. The king holds a feast in honor of his baby princess, where he receives a dark prophecy. In her 15th year, she will be prickled by a spindle and fall into a deep sleep for a hundred years. That sucks. <laughs> the king banishes all spindles from the land, but one day, 15 years later, while he is gone, the princess is exploring the many rooms of the palace and climbs an old tower. Inside the tower, she finds an old woman spinning flax with a spindle. Curious at the sight of this foreign device, the girl pricks her fingers on the spindle and falls into a deep sleep. The king and queen return and immediately fall into a deep sleep as well. And before long, a hedge of thorns has climbed the the castle walls, hiding the entire kingdom and everyone in it from sight. Many princes hear the tale of the beautiful sleeping princess and attempt to enter the palace, but the brambles are impenetrable and each youth is ensnared by them and dies a miserable death. Finally, after many years... Another prince who has heard the story of the sleeping princess, as well as the story of the unlucky princess before him, dares to approach the hedge, only to find the thorns transformed into beautiful flowers, which part of their own accord, letting him pass unhurt. He finds the princess in her tower, bends down to kiss her, whereupon she and everyone in the castle awakes, and they all live happily ever after. And that sounds like a fun party when everyone wakes up. Yeah, I bet it was. (laughs) So, on one level, this is, and you may have noticed it, it's a story of a woman's coming of age. She pricks her finger on a a spindle, symbolizing, you know, first menstruation. And it's kind of the story of her coming to age. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a powerful way to interpret it, too. Uh, and this is this is a fairy tale that I would definitely read to my daughters in, in that light because I think it could be really helpful. Yeah, I think this is this is very different than the Disney version where it's actually way more forceful because the the prince comes and it's still thorny and he cuts everything. And so this in this case is like Briar Rose is the person that turns the yeah, and thorns that's and flowers. I, we're actually going to see that that falls right into the mistake. That yeah. that is not creative waiting. Mm-hmm. 
It's interesting that you said that about the Disney film, because I don't remember the Disney film. And because I think this myth is actually completely about waiting and, and creative waiting. And we have Sleeping Beauty in the beginning, pricking her finger on the spindle. I interpret this kind of as a symbol, as a symbol of curiosity, basically. As it, almost as if like her curiosity was the sign that she was ready to co-create mm. with the universe. Mm. And then she falls asleep. And she falls into a, a, a passivity. I really think the story is all about what happens with Briar Rose, not the prince. Mm. And here I'd like to quote Rollo May again from The Cry for Myth, because I think he has something interesting to say on the topic. So he says, We saw that the premature youths who stormed the hedges and died a miserable death were those who lacked the capacity to wait until the time of Kairos. Kairos being the opportune time. Um, the critical moment. The time when Briar Rose's sleep was fulfilled. I refer to waiting until something is ready to be born, whether it be a baby, an idea, an invention, or an artistic vision. The waiting is not passive and empty. The one who waits is an active participant in the gestation. Too much emphasis on conscious intention, like the active pushing of the premature suitors in the tale of Briar Rose, blocks the capacity to wait. Briar Rose's sleep is kind of a symbolic turning inward. And I can see her, the thorns and the rose, the, the bush that grows outside the castle walls. You can interpret this as the wisdom of the body, knowing it's not the right time. I think in the end, this is a story, the prince is involved, but it really isn't until the, the, the prince shows up at the right time. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely this conscious presence of the prince. That's an important part. But it's coupled with the inner growth Briar Rose does. And we know that because the bush recedes of its own accord. In the, in the fairy tale, it actually transforms in the flowers mm -hmm. and then yields to the prince. The prince is not the one that, that takes the decisive action here. Mm -hmm. He would have been ensnared like the rest. He did recognize something was different, so cap off to the prince. But I think the emphasis is, and it sounds like it is in the Disney movie, and often when we read this, we forget the fact that Briar Rose and the, and the yielding of thorn bushes happens first. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that happens. And I think that's the critical, the critical moment, almost, in this whole fairy tale. You know, it's interesting that fairy tale, in, in the true version of it, is that it seems like, basically, Briar Rose's condition is extends to everyone like she's the centerpiece of everything because she falls asleep and then everything stops as well the whole castle everyone falls asleep everything stops being and and then there's like this layer of protective thorns that almost feel like an extension of herself like that's a protective layer and then when she is finally ready it transforms into flowers and so It's really all about her. I mean, the, the, the myth is not about the prince at all. But there's a lot to learn from the princes that come before. Yeah. And I think this is actually also one of the things that's very instructive about this myth is that, like Rollo May says, consciously trying to take action before the time is right, before that time of Kairos, is going to result in, in suffering and failure. Mm -hmm. And I find this to be one of the very difficult parts about creative waiting in, in our lives is that we want to take action. Action is a, action can be distraction. Yeah. And, and it can, you can get the sense of control, like I'm doing something about it. But creative waiting involves being, like kind of waiting 
and just being with what is at the moment. And a lot of times in these in these kind of shifts, in these moments of change, right? Like where something's kind of ending, but the new thing's not quite here. What what feelings do you have in those moments? Mm. Uh, if you're like me, it's a lot of anxiety and discomfort. It's uh, uncertainty. They're tough feelings to be with mm-hmm. a lot of times. And I notice in these moments, there's a temptation to act. I want to act, but it's not inspired action. It's like I said, it's, it's action for distraction, mm. almost. Acting gives us the sense that, that we're in control, that we know that we can change this and, and we can get rid of it, right? That we can make it go away. And I think often a braver stance to take is to not do anything, mm. to observe the situation, to be with the feelings, is kind of um, a stance of, of operating from the opposite uh, belief, which is, I don't know. And going from there and being with the uncomfortableness that comes and the discomfort that comes from that. I think there's a lot of power in that, though. It's an uncomfortable stance. It's a hard place to, to start. And it takes time. The, the temptation with action is like, oh, I can, I can do this now and I you know finish this, check it off my list, mm. or I can push it away or whatever. And we can fall into that trap of like, running on the treadmill or the hamster wheel where mm-hmm. we're just doing things because we're not really moving towards something. We're running away from something mm. instead. But I think there's a lot of power in creative waiting and being with this because what tends to come out of those periods of gestation, those periods of like grappling and oftentimes kind of struggle and doubt is something that's a lot more authentic, is something that is a lot more truly creative because we've we've dealt with a lot of a lot of what's going on and authentically we've actually looked at it we've actually said okay i see you and struggled with it we're able to come to more authentic actions we're able to create something and that tends to be i've seen this happen in my life over and over where i go through kind of a period of almost like nihilism where like a lot of things lose their meaning and I know it's like, okay, I'm in one of these stages and they're really hard to be in. Oh, yeah. They're really hard to be in. And sooner or later, I tend to come out of it on the other side and I will have like a, a, a new wind at my back. I will feel the creative impulse again and the motivation. And it's scary because a lot of times when I'm in that kind of dead zone, I'm always kind of unsure if the motivation's ever going to come back, yeah. if I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. It's very hard to wait. So we really wanted to take the time to introduce that concept because we, we've found it helpful in our own lives. And as you just said, we have a better almost radar to notice when we're in those modes. And then it's almost like the creative waiting concept comes as like a guidance or a, a guiding principle of what we need to do when we're in those states. And I think the reason the reason why this is a good topic for us right now is because we're in one of those stages right now as we speak. And you wrote that blog post almost two years ago, which was the last time I'd say we were in that same kind of space where I I personally resonate a lot with the with the seasons. And I think that the, the best way to describe this is it feels like a winter. It feels like Pretty much everything is dead. Everything seems to like freeze around. And, and you know, it takes a lot of effort to just keep the bare minimum tasks and upkeep like going. 
you know, it takes more effort. It's like, I remember these days I'm thinking back to maybe like six months ago. I'm like, how did I do so much in one day? These days, it's just, it's hard to just get out of bed and, and do like the, the minimum that I need to do. But it is helpful to remember that this is, I don't know, a part, part of me that, um, I call the sergeant uh, that lives in my head and that is very, very aggressive and mean and uh, very driven. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd call I'd call it the shadow warrior. Yeah, that is yeah. another yeah. term for it. Uh, but the sergeant really, really disapproves of of those winters and those moments of, you know, where where you have to sit with the uncertainty. And the best way I can describe it is there's no... There's no aim. There's no purpose. It doesn't feel like there's anything really that's like driving me to get out of bed. And I've, I've gone through enough of those by now that I know that this ends. But as you said, it's, it's terrifying when you're in it because you're like, oh, if I, if I let go in it too much, if I relax into it and if I embrace the creative waiting aspect of it, will that really stop? I think, and, and that points to me that we don't trust our bodies. True. I think society is really, Western society is really uncomfortable with this idea of creative waiting. We don't have very good models for it, mm. which is why I love this myth, because it's a great model for creative waiting, as is the seasons. Yeah. Seasons is another great one. And generally, what society's answer would be to this is just get her done. Yeah. Like, it would be like, all right, we'll just push through. Like, yeah. I think it's great. That the Disney video, yeah. the Disney movie, has the prince hacking through the thorns. Because yeah, yeah. that's the exact attitude yeah. uh, of the West. Is like, all right, you're in a, you're in a bit of a dip. Push harder, mm -hmm. dig deeper, mm -hmm. go hard. You know, like that. That's the the ethos. No wonder we're 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 always feeling like we're on the verge of burnout, yeah. and and why some of us are burning out is we don't seem to respect that the cycle. Yeah, and and some of these forces that are a little bit bigger than us. And it, it is really hard to, to be with it. Looking back to like the last time we were in that winter ditch trench, I don't know, sometimes it just feels like a swamp. I, <laughs> I, don't, have a, I don't have a lot of words for it, but the last time we were in that kind of mode, it's been a year and a half plus, And that last year and a half has been one of the most intense and creative times of my entire life. We bought the caravan, decided to move in together for real and invest into something, you know, like if we think about it, before that we were just traveling. It's a very different commitment to actually say, okay, let's buy something with both of our money and then yeah, invest we, all this We built time. a home. Yeah, we built a home from almost zero. I mean, we had a, an, an aluminum box basically, and then we had to make something in it. And then when that was done, we took maybe a short, short break and then we got engaged Created the podcast. Created the podcast. We started businesses left and right. And I'm like, I feel like I'm getting to this line. And I've been, it doesn't happen overnight for me. I definitely feel that that slope coming. You know, it's like if you, you think about as a ascending phase and a descending phase, I've felt that we were on the... You can see the, it on the horizon. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh... It's Winter's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm at the top. <laughs> There's only go, I can only go down from here. It's that moment right after the top, you know, where it's yeah. like, oh, this is like a little less than that was. <laughs> oh, no, I'm on the decline. 
<laughs> yeah, is that decline. recognition? Because as soon as you realize it, then you know for sure you're on the decline. You yes, know, it's the yes, recognition yes. that is the like the flag yeah. that you're going down. <laughs> yeah, but I think I've been feeling that decline like since a little after our wedding. Basically, it's like the wedding was this like all high experience, and it's like after that it was okay, cool. Let's uh, let's you know and. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, I feel like right now we're at the very bottom. We're in the valley. We're by the river. We're drinking some of the water Waking from the river. Waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, just like sleeping in the shade. And, and I we do, I, I tend to feel like in those moments I get into a upkeep. Just like maintaining what is, but not trying to like get anything new going. I have no energy for that. Honestly, I, some, some days it shocks me and I try to think like, maybe you're sick, you know, like maybe something's really wrong because it's not okay to be sleeping like until 10 every day and still feeling so sluggish and tired. But my experience with it is that that's not the case. And what, what bumps me out about this is when I'm in those highly productive modes, I don't think something's wrong with me. You know, I think, mm. oh, it's all normal. This is how it's yeah. supposed to be. And then when I'm in those those tired modes that usually don't last very long compared to how long the productive phases are. Especially if you actually embrace them. Yes, yes. And maybe you can say a little bit about what how you how how do you embrace that? What do you actually do? Because you know, we're not bears. We don't hibernate. We can't just yeah. sleep through the winter. What What do you do? So I think just to recap on how it feels for me, it's like I feel lethargic. Yeah. But it tends to be more existential. There is uh -huh. a physical aspect of it for sure. Yeah. But the real sign for me is existential. I lose motivation. Mm -hmm. Like for right now, I like you, I'm in maintenance mode. I'm not trying to start new projects. I'm just trying to keep what's going, going and kind of, you know, a bit of a hibernation mode. Yeah. And so there's just this kind of feeling of sometimes it's pessimism. Sometimes it's just nihilism. It's, mm. Nihilism is more the flavor of it than pessimism. Mm. I, uh, but it's just like, why bother? You oh, know, yeah. like, or why are we even doing this and this kind of stuff? And, and that can be alarming, you know, but, and this is why you don't want to act on that because yeah. that's like being one of those, the, the young naive princes getting mm -hmm. mangled in the thorns. It's like, it's not ripe to act. It's time to be with those. It's time to, like Briar, Ro Briar Rose, it's time to kind of recede and wait. Mm -hmm. So what do I do in those stages? Well, it's hard. I think <laughs> <laughs> I try to read a lot. I try to, you know, allow myself, I give myself permission to mope around. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, I, I try to talk with, through my feelings with people. Yeah. Um, and, and explore what's going on. Meditation is, is valuable, yeah. especially in these moments for me. I find like that is a tool where I can really observe what's going on and, and detach a little bit from it. Uh, I, I, I try to sleep a lot. I try to rest a lot. I try to take care of my body and do basic things. So I will go on, I'll do workouts. Mm -hmm. I try to make sure I'm eating well. You know, uh, if, if you drink or things, maybe you cut that down. I, I try to go into like, I try to give myself, my body a rest yeah. and, and let it do what it needs to do. Next week, for example, I'm going to go spend, you know, four or five days out in the mountains by myself and do a solo retreat. Uh, so I think that's another aspect of it. It's just whatever way, taking walks, whatever, trying to do the things that are going to allow me to kind of listen to what's going on and to kind of 
dialogue with the unknown in a way and see what's what's coming up for me. I think I tend to think of this as a birthing process, right? And it can be fairly painful before the, or even during the birth, yeah. right? And uh, we're in a stage like that right now. We're, we've decided, uh, and it took us some time to come to this, we've decided to sell the caravan. Yeah, yeah. And we're moving to Guatemala. We had not said that Surprise! before. Surprise! Yeah, we're going to go live in Guatemala for a little while. We've uh, got a place for three months for now, so we're going to start with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It's a really big transformation. It's a really big change. Yeah, it is. And it's not like you just, like for us, we didn't just make that change overnight. It was like, okay, it was recognizing that some things weren't fitting so well anymore, that we were outgrowing some things, that some things were kind of dying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's attachments to deal with. There's, There's a fair amount of emotional baggage about that. And then if you've listened to our recent episode about navigating change. Yeah. Which is about kind of rumbling with this. Yeah. Uh, those are some of the things I think are important to do in times like this is is explore it with, if, for example, if you have a partner, whether it be a business partner or a romantic partner or someone who's committed to the journey with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really important to communicate what's going on and to kind of explore that with each other and see how, because if you're feeling it, they're probably feeling it too and kind of make space to struggle with what is going to be next. Because we can't make that decision in a vacuum when we're committed to someone else. And we may not be changing totally in the same way. And so there's a lot of work to do, I think, on exploring those visions, clarifying them for ourselves, or like of what's changed and trying to figure out why. Because a lot of times it starts as a feeling and then it's trying to figure out what that feeling is about or where it's coming from or and, and understand that. And then... And then to come up with a positive project, a positive idea of change based mm-hmm. on this with another person, that is a very difficult, uh, often kind of emotional and touchy conversation to have. And it's not it's one that needs time. It needs some time. And I think when you get it right, it can be magical after. Like when you get it right, you can really kind of reset yeah and then go again really hard but if you don't get it right you're always kind of you're always kind of stumbling out the out the starting gate and maybe your partner's going a little bit that way and you're going that way and like the energy kind of actually creates you know more more discord Mm -hmm. so i feel like at those times it's really important to to kind of align and and check in with each other and and kind of recalibrate yeah yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's that's been very hard and very time and energy consuming to do that. And, you know, we say it, we've had a conversation. It's a conversation over a month. You know, it's not just... Uh, At least. Uh, yeah. uh, the big portion of it happened over a month. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's just... There's that. Um, I liked what you said, how you feel in those moments. I think for me, it's like yesterday... I really felt it very acutely. It's like I woke up at something like eight. It was very cold yesterday morning. It's getting like fall is is arriving here. And I woke up and the first thing I thought was like, oh, I don't really have anything to wake up for. Why would I even, you know, like just I might as well just sleep in longer. It's too cold out. And so I did that. And it's like 
parts of me can get very alarmed by this because because I've struggled with depression in a in a very real way I'm also hyper aware to not like you know justify a depress like depression through this lens but I'm also self-aware enough to know that this is not depression it's just it's something else it's something that that is happening more in my body than in like my mind. I, I feel fine. I just, we're in the waiting game right now. We put the caravan F, uh, up on, on the French Craigslist and we're just waiting for that right person to come along to buy it before we can actually gear our energy towards something else. But right now, we have to wait for that to happen to be able to do something else. There's also a lot of loose ends to tie up Yeah, yeah. from living here. We've been living here for a year and a half. I think there's a trap, right? I, th I think a lot of, I know for myself that I think in terms of productivity mm. a lot, like that's something like, am I being productive? And this is a time where it's hard to measure that. Oh yeah, It's a time where actually I think I'm being intensely productive, but it's not visible. It's not tangible. And only in hindsight can I see how productive that time was. Because at the time, you're just struggling. Nothing feels like it's moving forward. You're, gra you're throwing this out. You're like, no, nah, that doesn't really kind of fit. Like, it's, you're trying to, make th you're trying to uh, kind of get your bearing. Mm -hmm. And that's really important because if you don't, you can go off in a direction that doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, and that would be like when you take on a project just because projects give you the illusion of purpose, right? Mm -hmm. If you are engaged in a project, you can manufacture temporary purpose mm -hmm. right and a lot of times this feeling happens that, that we're in in a natural period in between projects which has been true yeah. we, we've wrapped up a lot of stuff yeah we have uh, and we're kind of in between so it's a kind of asking what's next and if we don't really do that if we really don't stay with that question we can jump into new projects manufacture that sense of purpose but one, we won't be very effective. Like, like there'll be kind of a nagging, like, eh. And you can end up in an even, like, worse place mm -hmm. because of that. You can kind of go down a dead end, basically. Yeah. You can kind of run away from, from the questions you really need to be struggling with, and they'll come and get you later. Yeah, I, I, like, I really like what you said about... Looking back, those are some of the most productive periods. I feel the same way. It's like at the end of the day, sometimes I feel like if I look at a checklist, I've done two things out of the six things that I keep thinking I can do. When honestly, I know I've dialed it down a lot on my daily, the daily things I ask myself to do because I know I'm just not going to get to do them. My energy levels are, are too low and I'm not... And it's not just my energy level, it's my motivation to do them. So I try to space it out so that I do a little bit every day, but I can't do, if I have to, if I have deadlines to meet, I will. But I, it, it's harder to do those things where like I have my day from nine to six completely full with just a lunch break. And I think about this productivity, I think it's the terrain, you know, it, Walking through a meadow in the summer doesn't take a lot of energy. Walking through uh, five feet of, of snow to get from your outhouse to your house in the backcountry of Sweden in January, that takes a lot more effort, 
right? Because like walking through snow is a lot harder. So it's like you've done the same amount of steps, but it's taking a lot more energy to do them. You're looking at me like, what is this metaphor? No, I'm but laughing at the metaphor. It's good. It's it, just, it's I think. Fun. I mean, it helps me to think about it, and I just think it's just the terrain is different. Yeah. So and also. In those times, I do a lot more reflecting and laying down the groundwork for the future, for that, that next stage. I'm reading so much. I'm, I feel like the, the information that I'm absorbing is being used in a way more efficient way than in those times of high productivity. And you can think of, you know, winter is the time, like, for example, in California, where we get all our water for the year. Yeah. And and that sustains yeah. the other seasons. Mm -hmm. And if we have a drought, we can have a lovely winter, sunny-wise, but then it's a harsh and destructive yeah. uh, summer, fall season. Mm -hmm. So I think that's helpful for me to think about that. I think something that's really challenging, and this is the really one of the times that I get to practice it in a very, very conscious way, is being kind. Be Ugh. kind. That's such an important mantra to me. And I think these are the times where it can be the hardest to do it. And mm. it's the most critical to do it is to be kind to what's in transition. And another thing that comes up is that, you know, you're talking about the seasons. And of course, like you think about the seasons, the the, the trees are losing their leaves. This is happening right now. I just noticed it's starting to happen. Yeah, here. I know. I noticed that this morning too. And it's a time of kind of shedding what's no longer necessary. Mm -hmm. And this is always a part of change. I think it's the part that we love the idea of like changing positive change, but mm -hmm. we don't really explore, talk about, embrace so much what creates that, what the catalyst for that is, mm -hmm. which is usually uh, destruction, right? Yeah. Destruction breeds creation and all that. But for example, right now in our lives, I think, we were selling the caravan. This is something we were emotionally attached to. And we're, we're letting go of a vision for our life that mm -hmm. we thought was going to be a lot longer. That's not so, I, I don't know, maybe for some people that would be easier. But for us, I mean, we're letting go of a home and we're letting go of a vision and we're letting go of a way of life. And we're going to walk into a much less certain environment. And I think we both have the intuition that that is going to give us a lot of energy, a new creative kind of spirit, yeah. and and some new possibilities. Because I think we felt like we've outgrown this mm -hmm. this life at this at this point, and we're ready to kind of you know jump back in the river and, and see where where it takes us downstream. I I want to say because I think this can be I think one thing that can happen when you talk about creative waiting is that it can be misinterpreted as passivity. Yeah. And what we're talking about is a very active process. Being with it, being with the destruction, being with like the the rumbling and the the ideas that don't quite fit and the discord it creates with your other areas of your life, whether it be your partner or whether it be your surroundings or your internal sense of of control. All these things is very hard to be with actively, to not just distract yourself from them, to escape from them. Yeah. It is an extremely active and difficult process. And so I just want to say, this is not passive. And it's not like, okay, dude, just, uh, you know, get a subscription to Netflix and, you know, hang out for two months and watch a bunch of movies. It's it's finding ways to kind of commune with yourself and, and have an internal and sometimes external conversation. I actually don't think that this whole like Netflix thing is that bad. You know, I don't, I what I'm doing right now 
I'm not like being this monk that takes long walks and reflects on life and meditate and stuff. The way I deal with those times usually is I go in my bedroom with a stash of food like a squirrel. I close everything so that it's dark and I just lie in bed and just do what we call ferrying around. So it's just, I read a book for, for like 10 minutes and then it makes me think of something else. And then I watch something, then I'll write down something. And then that's how I make my connections. I have a mind that works in constellations and I just need to have the space to do those things. And I'll make this, I'll say this here. You will hear this. <laughs> I think for me, this is a lot more active than yielding to the to the voice of the sergeant who's telling me oh no just sit down in front of your computer all day long and then and then go to bed at night and just do your do the work you know like try to try to look for the next to do that you can like check and then so that at the end of the day you have a list to prove that you've done this much thing for me that would actually be the easier thing to do even though i would be tired it requires less mindfulness of me to do that, because then I just have to follow this external or internal like voice. That's yeah, there's a me. list. Yeah, and there's... you're doing the things on the list, yeah. so you must be being productive. You look, you can see it. There's check marks in those boxes, yeah. and they weren't there this morning. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've fallen into that trap multiple times. Yeah, in, and then in, I in walk this... into the room at four o'clock, and Alistair has like the bloodshot eyes, and he spent way too long on his computer trying to pretend to do something. I'm like, dude. Stop! There's no one telling you you need to do these things. Just stop. Go read in the hammock, goddamn. Yeah, it's it's true. It's those days where you get to the end of it and you're like, I have no idea what I did today. Yeah, that's that's terrible. when you know maybe you didn't need to do those things. <laughs> maybe you should have taken a break. <laughs> We're learning. Yeah, we are, and I think, but I think, I think this is the biggest thing we wanted to come to share today. Is just. Creative waiting takes a lot of energy or a lot of, I think it, for me, it takes just mental power. It's not, it doesn't require that much energy, but it takes, it takes mental power. And I think that this is also why I get tired earlier in the day because I'm doing work that is like walking through the snow instead of just walking through a meadow in summer, you yeah. know? And I think it's necessary for a creative life. If you truly you know, want to create something, there are those periods. It, it There is periods of resource gathering and all these things. And I think what's so important to me about this fairy tale, which we've been kind of harping on here, is most of our society, at least outwardly, celebrates control, conquest, and action. And that's the, the, er, the young princes, mm -hmm. you know, and hacking through the, the thorns. I don't think we spend enough time celebrating the other part of this, the incredibly important role of Briar Rose and the waiting and the gestation and being with it, which is critical in the case of Briar Rose for the kingdom reawakening. Yeah. And yes, the prince, the prince that comes along has a place and we haven't spent much time with this, but there, there is a presence, right? Being inactive for too long becomes self-destructive. Being active too early is also self-destructive. You can err on both sides. Mm -hmm. And when the time is right, the prince symbolizes that conscious presence to, to act. Mm -hmm. And that is an important part of it. But that part, I think our Western society is too quick to celebrate because there is a much longer period before that of waiting. 
creative writing. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. I know we've. Uh, I, I really like the season, so I just want to say, like, if you're in one of those dead winters right now, spring is coming. It's always darkest before the dawn. And, and, and embrace the dark for a little while. It's, I think. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I struggle with is that from a distance and like ah, when that comes it'll be nice. I'll just take some time off, and yeah. then it comes and I freak out and I feel like I should be doing things instead. And no, I I give I need to give myself permission to just like enjoy this time and it too will end and this too will also change. Mm-hmm. Very wise. <sighs> <laughs> We've maintained the podcast through this time of dead of winter and I'm very proud of us so if you're also proud of us please let us know that makes our day <laughs> that, that would be great that would be great and as you know there's three things you can do to support this podcast please support us the first one is subscribe mm-hmm. subscribe to the podcast we'd love to have you here every week the second one is share it with a friend share it with a friend I think uh, a lot of people could benefit from learning this yeah so if one person's name popped into your head during this conversation send it to him mm-hmm. tell him why you think it's uh it, it resonated to you maybe it'll spark a conversation that would be cool yep and number three the third thing you can do to support this podcast is leave us a review let us know what you think about it we'd appreciate that we'd love that we'll see you next week yeah thanks again for being here listener we'll see you next week toodles, toodles.